Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. You go to the New Beginnings website and locate the Torah study page. There's a permanent Zoom link that you can share with your friends if they live out of town, out of state, but they're interested in extra Bible study and especially learning about the Jewish roots of Christianity. And uh, uh, most of you know, probably all of you know, that right now on God's divine calendar, uh, we're in a special 40-day season. Uh, it's a season uh, uh, that the, uh, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters teach as the season of Teshuvah, the season of return, the season of repentance. Uh, we're going through uh, the final month on the uh, biblical calendar, the Hebrew month of Elul, which means to search. In in Babylonian times, they included the meaning of Elul to mean the harvest. So uh, when you combine those thoughts together, you realize that at this appointed time on God's divine calendar, whoever grew up in Christianity knowing God had a divine calendar. We, we knew more about St. Patrick's Day and Valentine's Day and Halloween. Than, what, what's this Elul? What's this Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur stuff all about? And so you can see the devil's done a good job of uh, blinding the eyes of believers to know what God is doing on his calendar. They call it appointed times. Leviticus 23, a whole chapter that lays out the appointed times. And they're divine appointments. Amen. If God set a divine appointment with you and you missed it, what a bummer. (laughs) And we've been missing it for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, But now in these last days, so many believers are realizing uh, Ancestry.com, spiritually speaking, is real. And going all the way back uh, to Abraham 4,000 years ago, God's laid out many wonderful things that are there to bring us revelation and favor and blessing and breakthrough. It's just we need more information, more inspiration uh, to uh, add to our, our journey uh, as Christians. So... Uh, 40 days, we're in day 10, Uh, and this is, uh, I brought a shofar, the shofar is like the main symbol of this 40-day season that carries on through uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is known as the Feast of Trumpets, amen, and in biblical times, the trumpet uh, was and still is the shofar, 
This is the ram's horn, and there's also the longer version, the kudu, uh, the Yemenite horn. Uh, But in either case, God says, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Remember that song, all of you old evangelical saints? Amen. Back in the 80s, we'd sing that and just be feeling like, oh, yeah. And uh, we can still have that feeling today. Amen. Uh, But it says, this is from the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. Blow the trumpet, blow the shofar in Zion, sound the alarm. What alarm? Something's coming. Here come to judge. Here come to judge. (laughs) Amen. And uh, uh, judgment is coming. Uh, Coming on the church. Coming on the world. Uh, The biblical holidays are a, uh, a way to understand God's plan of redemption and uh, how, uh, the, uh, uh, how the Lord has orchestrated or rolled out what's going to happen in the end times. Just before the rapture, uh, there's going to be a loud trumpet sound in the sky And that sound of the shofar is going to blow. And those that hear the voice of the shofar, it will all of a sudden, 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, The last trump will sound, and we will be caught up forever with the Lord. And so... uh, Many of us believe that's going to happen on the Feast of Trumpets, on Rosh Hashanah, on the head of the year. And then seven days later is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, that uh, we believe is the second coming. Now why is all of this important? For one thing, because the Lord, as we uh, talked about Elul meaning harvest, the Lord has a harvest for you. Yeah? One day the harvest is going to be eternal. Yeah? Right? When we're raptured and caught away with the Lord and uh, we're living in eternity, we're living, that's going to be an eternal reward, an eternal harvest for living for God. Uh, But God is so good that uh, even if we're not receiving our eternal harvest, He still has a harvest, a yearly harvest uh, that coincides, corresponds to these appointed times. And uh, in this season, there's this massive buildup. The shofar is blowing every day, symbolically, spiritually. Let's see if I can sound the alarm. How how good am I? I, I'm not uh, Al Hurt or Rick Braun. the trumpet in Zion, Zion. And it's meant to wake us up, to get back to spiritual things. Uh, We need to have spiritual priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the worldly things uh, will be added unto you. Amen. The blessing of the Lord maketh a man or a woman rich and adds no sorrow to it, the Bible says. This is why it's important. 
It's a special time. And the shofar serves as that wake-up call. Every year it happens. And so uh, uh, if, if anybody asks you, uh, why are you getting into all that crazy stuff, that Jewish stuff? Well, number one, it's biblical stuff. It's not just Jewish holidays. They're Bible holidays. And you and I, according to Romans 11, have been grafted into Israel. And so we share the same lineage, the same ancestry, going all the way back to Father Abraham. And so all of those uh, things that have happened between Abraham and now... Biblically speaking, are ours to enjoy, are ours to learn, are ours to honor and appreciate. And as Christians, look, you can do as little or as much as you want. You don't have to walk around blowing a shofar, uh, but there's nothing wrong to, in doing that, and especially don't despise it. You know, like, oh, who the heck do you think you are? I'm a child of God following biblical things, even though you may not appreciate it. Don't disdain it. Uh, don't scorn that. If you see someone wearing a kippah or a tallit don't, uh, don't, with a jaundice eye, uh, who the heck does that guy think he... You know, to each his own, especially if you can go to the Word and show me, where does it say, wear a tallit? Well, Jesus wore a tallit, so there's probably a, a way, another way to follow in his footsteps. And Jesus kept all the holidays as well. So if, if somebody questions you on that and asks you why, uh, you can respond, why not? Why? Why not? Why? Why don't you? Amen. Praise God. And look, it's definitely not legalism. We're not talking about legalism here, are we? Uh, people can turn anything into legalism. We like to point fingers at the Old Testament and the Jewish people as legalism, and yet, according to Christian doctrine, some of you ladies, for instance, today are going to hell because of the way you're dressed. That's just man-made doctrine, right? Uh, and, uh, and Jesus uh, rebuked religious people, uh, about all of that when he said, you teach human tradition as if it were the Word of God. You teach human tradition as if it were the Word of God. Now, it's fine to have your little man-made rules and this, but when it begins to supersede and become the focal point and the emphasis, that's where you get into legalism. Uh, legalism can... Uh, uh, be defined as people trying to secure their righteousness in God's sight simply by mechanically, uh, technically keeping God's rules and then expecting God to deliver. There's no sincere and heartfelt feeling involved. It's just, you owe me, God. Well, look, God doesn't owe you anything. <laughs> Amen. It's by His grace and by His mercy that uh, we have covenant promises. Amen. And so we don't want to uh, grow 
the wrong way in our Christianity uh, by not having a sincere and heartfelt relationship with the Lord where we're seeking the gift more than we are the giver. We're seeking the blessing more than we're honoring the one that gives the blessing. And so we're just wanting that all in priority. Uh, uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, not legalism to follow God's commandments. Uh, mostly legalism when you're talking about things in the Bible. Uh, Jesus is, as we said, rebuking people for making man-made, adding to God's Word. All of these extra things on top of it. Well, if you wear makeup, you'll burn in hell. If you wear jewelry, God hates that, and, and you, you're in danger of hellfire. Okay, there's, there's more said about what you eat <laughs> than what you wear. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just need to realize that God's commandments in the Bible, beginning with the Ten Commandments, aren't bad for you. They're not legalism. God didn't invent it to put you into bondage. He, he uh, gave us His commandments to help us understand right from wrong. Good from bad. Blessing from cursing. Amen. How many of you love the scripture that God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path? That's still true today. And so you could sum it all up by saying we don't obey the laws of God to earn eternal life. Okay. We follow God's laws as guidelines and principles so that we can experience abundant life. Amen. Eternal life, abundant life. Two different things. Eternal life comes in a moment of time. Father, forgive me of every sin. I decide to follow Jesus. Come into my life. Hallelujah. Amen. In that moment of prayer, like the thief on the cross, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. You're saved. Amen. Abundant life, though, a little bit different. If abundant life happened at the snap of a finger and the twinkling of an eye, we'd all be living at the highest levels. But abundant life is much more of a journey and it's a journey learning God's principles, uh, learning God's laws, how to uh, uh, do things His way. It's interesting, when God first spoke to Israel at Mount Sinai, uh, it was to give the revelation of the Ten Commandments. Isn't that interesting? He revealed Himself to His chosen people through laws. Okay, and so this tells us that our relationship with the Lord has to include doing things decently and in order. Right? We just can't do it our own way. Right? Uh, and uh, when God spoke to Israel, He not only gave the Ten Commandments, 
but by extension, uh, he gave 613 commandments, according to our Jewish brothers and sisters, 613 commandments outlined in the Torah, in, Ma- uh, in uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, they're not just a, a legal code. It's, it's something that we learn and apply in our lives to make our world work. A lot of the problems that people face is they just have never understood that God has a way of doing things. And His ways are not our ways. And the way He wants the world run isn't necessarily the way we want the world run. And so uh, uh, our job isn't to change God. Well, God, the Bible's wrong. You need to rewrite the Bible for modern times. No, the Bible is uh, the Word of God. It never changes. The principles work in any generation. And uh, when individuals or families or governments struggle with being one person or one nation under God, bad things follow. America better be careful. We've been one nation under God. Yeah, we've sinned. There's there's a whole laundry list of sins that America has committed as a nation. Government leaders and just all these things. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, the reason that America has been considered the most blessed nation in the history of mankind is because we've been and were founded as one nation under God. Have we blown it? Absolutely. Do we need repentance? You better believe it. But uh, the ideal, the value system that God put out there uh, is perfect, but unfortunately it's run by imperfect people. Did you know that the Torah means teachings? It means a pathway. So when Jews talk about the Torah, they don't see it as legalism. They see it as the pathway to life and blessing. In reality, uh, talking about the Torah, the law, it was never meant to convey a negative feeling. And yet in many Christian circles, you mention the law. And all of a sudden, people freeze up and get nervous. And like like somehow, if I learn and apply God's laws, it's going to be a bad thing in my life. But in reality, uh, the Torah, the law, uh, is God's pathway. And one of the root words for the word Torah uh, is yara. And it's an archery term. And, uh, and so in the original understanding, when we were learning and talking about Torah, it would bring up this idea of hitting the mark, hitting the bullseye, aiming for God's targets, pulling back the uh, bow and arrow, and shooting and hitting Exactly what God said to aim at. How many of you are ready to hit some more bullseyes? Amen. And so, we should have never looked at 
the Old Testament, the law, the Torah as legalism. Albeit, granted, uh, religious leaders in Judaism and Christianity all have a tendency to want to get legal and create legalism, that spirit of legalism. But God has salvation. God has redemption. God has deliverance. God has health and healing. God has prosperity. God has wisdom and knowledge and counsel that He wants to pour into us. And that's why 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture... All Scripture is God-inspired, it's God-breathed, and it's profitable for correcting, for rebuking, for instruction and training in how to do it God's way. Amen? So that's kind of the backdrop for today's study. Uh, we're in uh, Torah portion number 49 today in Deuteronomy 21 through Deuteronomy 25. And uh, this week, God has given Israel 70, over 70, very practical and valuable commandments. And again, not to, uh, because I want my people living in legalism. Wasn't that at all. If you don't do it this way, you'll burn in hell for all of eternity, God said. No, he didn't say that. Uh, He said that I want to give you, Israel, holy standards. You're coming out of Egypt. You've been living under Pharaoh's rule and Egyptian rule for hundreds of years, and you've lost contact with the pathway to blessing. Because you've been oppressed, because you've been enslaved, because you've been in in bondage, you haven't been able to follow and live for God according to the Bible. You've lost some things. And now I want to get you back on track. So as you head towards the promised land, you're going to be equipped spiritually to flourish in the land. And so... uh, All of these commandments that are given this week and all the other ones as well are just part of God's value system. Uh, It it provides a family, an individual, or a nation uh, the biblical guidelines that they need for success. And so you could look at it this way. We don't keep God's laws to become citizens of heaven. We keep God's laws to become better citizens of heaven. Amen? And so God begins to uh, give us this list of moral teachings uh, that are, as we mentioned, defining right from wrong. Uh, It's interesting because it's also practical. And the first thing that God um, gives is... Uh, The proper treatment of women. Women's rights are in the Torah. And God lays it out, especially because at those times there was a lot more war going on. A lot more fighting going on. And in, in war, people lose rights. Yeah? 
and especially the women. So God says, here's how I want the women protected. And then it goes on into inheritance rights. Who has the right uh, uh, to inherit what is being passed down? What are the rules for that? He gives instructions on handling rebellious children. All right. There's guidelines for funerals. There's uh, even uh, uh, in this teaching, uh, God addressing what to do if you find a lost object. Is it finders, keepers, losers, weepers, or something different? It's something different. Uh, There's instructions on being kind to animals. Yeah. We see a lot of commercials on TV these days about uh, different groups trying to rally support to protect the animals. All the people that are being cruel to animals are sinful. That's a sin in the eyes of God. And so there's all these other uh, uh, guidelines. Uh, God invented OSHA standards, for those of you that know what OSHA is. It's uh, the government rules on how to protect people in the workplace. He even says, I want you to erect a fence around the roof of your home so no one will fall off it accidentally and cause a bigger problem. uh, And so because they're 70, the list keeps going. Laws concerning marriage. Laws concerning divorce. There's... Uh, there's judicial laws and penalties for immoral public behavior, for adultery, for rape. Uh, it's here that God addresses illegitimacy. And he, uh, he provides strict guidelines for cross-dressing, against cross-dressing. And so even uh, 3,500 years ago, God is emphasizing there's a natural godly order in this world. And we need to have clear distinctions between male and female. And so, now, who, in the, who would come in with a gender ideology that would teach a, a little five-year-old that, yeah, you're, you're Tommy, but you might be Teresa? I wonder who would be behind that. Hmm. And it goes on and on. God even has laws in here governing... Uh, uh, employers and their responsibility to pay their workers on time. Oh, that's too legalistic. We, we Employers should be able to pay you whenever they want. Well, God said, no, they need to pay you on time. And uh, there's so much more. Uh, but uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters see this as a pathway to develop empathy. They're human nature laws. They're laws on learning how to love others, to treat others the way that you want to be treated. It's kind of summed up in the golden rule, isn't it? And so it's interesting that America chose to embed a lot of this week's Torah study into our American legal code, into our judicial system, and that we would govern people based on the Bible. And now, 
anti-Christ, anti-Bible people. They're trying to change that all around. And we do that at our own peril. So, one of the the principles that uh, God lays out today uh, is a teaching on discrimination and racial prejudice. And it really deserves our attention because in today's world, in today's America, there's a lot of fighting about systemic racism, about uh, how we should uh, treat with what happened uh, uh, back in the slavery days. And just there's a, a lot of inflammation and, uh, you know, people are really adamant about one side, another side, this side, that side side and so a lot of it to me isn't sincere but it's just an attempt to separate us and divide us and make us angry at one another and build our future based on hating somebody instead of loving somebody and forgiving somebody and so in today's study in Deuteronomy 23 8 you can turn over there Uh, God's law says, do not despise an Edomite because he is your brother. This traces back to uh, Jacob and Esau being twin brothers. And uh, Esau, the Edomite, he uh, uh, develops a different mentality and follows a different code of ethics than does Jacob. But even though the Edomites persecuted the Jews back in the day, God says, don't despise them. Because your ancestry taking you all the way back to your brothers. And you need to figure out how to resolve your issues and conflicts and get back to brotherly love. Then it goes on and it says, do not despise the Egyptian." Because you were a stranger in his land. And it's this uh, particular teaching, do not despise the Egyptian, that uh, really is at the heart of today's teaching. Because if there was any nation or any ethnic group that had a right to be racist against another group, it seems like it would be Israel and the Jews being prejudiced, biased, racially discriminating against Egyptians. Why? Because it was Egypt that had them in bondage for over 200 years. Slaves for 200 years. They went through unimaginable brutality and cruelty as slaves. Genocide was part of the Egyptian state policy. Remember, we're going to throw all the male babies into the river, and it was Moses who was rescued by an Egyptian princess. And But Pharaoh had a policy of genocide. And now here we are just a couple years later, And God is saying to the Jew, to the Israelite, to the Jewish nation, do not despise them. 
Do not loathe them. Do not detest them. Do not hate them. That's what despise means. And that's quite a uh, undertaking, especially because this is still fresh on their minds. Now, it's a historical fact that Jews have been subjected to racism more than any other nation and longer than any other nation on earth. So slavery isn't like something new. Like America didn't invent slavery. Breaking news, it wasn't America that invented slavery. In fact, even if you go back and study America uh, in uh, the days of slavery, a couple hundred years ago, one nation had ten times as many slaves, and that nation is Brazil. We've been there. We've heard that. That's the reason why uh, Brazil has so many ethnic different groups and many Brazilians are, uh, have an African heritage and ancestry. And uh, that's because they were shipped to Brazil as slaves, ten times as many as America. But a lot of times we just think, well, America started this and America didn't end it fast enough, so America needs to be punished. And yet, uh, slavery isn't new. Slavery goes all the way back to the very beginning of the history of man. Racism isn't new. And it's not just limited to America. But it is one of the world's oldest and uh, most atrocious sins, racism. And, And God, when He gave this commandment, He knew that if Israel didn't get this worked out in their spirit and in their soul that it would destroy them from within. Because, as Jesus said, a kingdom, a nation, divided against themselves, hating one another, building a society based on tribal hatred, racial hatred, would divide a nation, and that nation would be destroyed from within. And so He gave Israel this law. Not as legalism, but as a way for them to get out of living a life blaming Egypt for all of the the bad things that had happened. Because if they're going to blame Egypt and live hating and seeking revenge and just loathing and despising, that's going to fester and create a bitterness and a resentment that will block every blessing. So hating people, especially because of the color of their skin, is sin. Sin. In God's eyes, it's sin. Amen? And it negates His love. If your heart is filled with hate and revenge and I want vengeance... I want them to pay for what they did. Well, that's going to block God's love. And it's sad that people live their whole life cursing the darkness. Seeking revenge. But God's law says love and forgiveness is the way. Amen? 
What's the way forward? What's the pathway for my life, my family? What kind of legacy do I want to pass down to my children and my grandchildren? How many of you have seen it with uh, firsthand that little kids don't understand racism? All kids of all colors and backgrounds in a, uh, a preschool setting are going to, they don't know anything about Racism is taught. Hatred is taught. Hatred is learned. And God says, in my kingdom, the way forward is love and forgiveness. So do not despise. Do not hate. Do not seek revenge even against those who perpetrated the most heinous things against you. And that's not so easy. That takes time. That takes faith. That takes the Spirit of God. Uh, because sometimes uh, you take some... I may not understand what you've been through. I may not understand how hard it's been in certain situations. And, and how ugly things have gotten in certain situations. But I do know this. That God's love can heal. God's forgiveness can set a person free. And in the kingdom of God, with God's hand upon you, God's favor upon you, God's blessing upon you, it doesn't matter your background in race, it doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your education, it doesn't matter if you were born on the other side of the tracks, the Spirit of God, the promises of God can elevate you and whatever the devil has tried to do and man has tried to keep you from God will supernaturally intervene if you follow his pathway have you found that to be true Proverbs 10 12 says hatred stirs up strife but love covereth all sins hatred stirs up strife and where there's strife and confusion, James said, there's every evil work. Proverbs twenty twenty two says, do not say, I will repay the evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. Amen? 1 John three fifteen says, whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Uh, we better, do we have any white out? We need to white that verse out. Pass out the scissors, ushers. We need to cut that verse out of our Bible. Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Jesus said, you've heard people say, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. This is what I say. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What's God doing here? What's the Bible saying? It's saying, I'm going to legislate racial morality. This is how you should feel about uh, people of another skin color. That if you hate them... You got one foot in, uh, in uh, 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 the courtroom as a murderer and the other one on a banana peel. 
And we don't want that, do we? The fact is that God created each and every one of us in His image. Every person is fearfully and wonderfully made. Now obviously the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy and to pervert what God wants done and how God wants things seen. But regardless of your color, regardless of your class, regardless of the culture, regardless of this creed or that creed, you're created in His image. Praise God. And the fact of the matter is we're all part of one race. We're all part of one race, the human race. Have you ever read Acts 17.26? Go over there in your Bible, Acts 17, 26. And it says, He, God, has made from one blood every nation. One blood for every nation. So hating people because they have a different color of skin, or because of where they were born, what nationality, what ethnic background. It's the height of ignorance. And especially as a Christian. Come on, somebody. We all have the same blood. We're all under the same blood of Jesus. When we come to the Lord, it's not one blood for this group, one blood for that group, and another set of standards for a different group. We are one nation, the Christian nation, under God, covered by the same blood. It wasn't a bunch of different crosses. Well, yeah, here's the African cross, here's the American cross, here's the Russian cross, here's the European cross, here's the Asian cross. There's one cross for all colors. Amen? Do we agree on that? There's one cross, one blood shed for all nations and all colors. And anyone who will say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, no matter who you are, God will forgive their sin and uh, put in them eternal life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. There's a little known passage from the Song of Songs. uh, And it says... Very appropriate for those with a different skin color. I'll read it to you. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 5. I am black, but beautiful. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not stare at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. Amen. Isn't that something? We're one family in the Lord. Our skin color doesn't define us now that we're believers. Now the world still has trouble with that. And some in the church still have trouble with that. As they've said, it seems like we're more racially divided in America on Sunday morning than any other day of the week. But you and I we have a a higher calling and need to set a higher standard and don't despise people 
Even if they've done the most heinous things. Because you can't build a life of love, a life of faith, a life of blessing built on hate. Amen? One of our greatest American heroes is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he understood this probably better than anybody. He said in one of his famous quotes, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And Jesus said, what? We're the light of the world. Amen? If we'll live for God and live in love and walk in forgiveness and walk by faith and not by feelings, all of a sudden our light will bring light to someone else who may be in darkness. King went on to say, hate cannot drive out hate. And I think that was some of what has been going on in America these days. Let's teach kids to hate somebody else because they were hated back when or even now. And they're trying to build some kind of school doctrine on teaching how to hate somebody instead of how to love somebody. What the heck has happened in our school system? It's because the devil's behind it all. And he's trying to overturn anything that God stands for in any segment of our society and culture. He's trying to reverse it. He's trying to undo Genesis 1. Male and female, he created them. The devil is a liar. Amen. But in 13 years, Dr. King, under his leadership, he did more than anybody in reversing the curse of racism. I wish I had time to read his speech. I wrote a big chunk of his speech down, but you can easily find that on the Internet. But we all know uh, one of the key components of Dr. King's uh, speech Uh, I have a dream speech, is judging people based on the content of their character, not based on the color of their skin. But not everybody believes that, and that's not being taught anymore. That voice of Dr. King is being silenced by others who want hate, hate, hate. Did America sin? Yes. But God says a couple of months after coming out of Egypt, Hey, I don't want you living, hating the Egyptian. But Lord, don't you know what they did? Yeah, I know what they did. But I know what I can do. And if you'll let the forgiveness of God and the love of God and a vision for fulfilling the Word of God work through you, you'll be a light to the nations of the world. Amen. So, look, uh, I encourage you today to realize racism is a sin. And if you have been caught up in judging people, shunning people, avoiding people because of their skin color, I don't want to sit next to that guy. Uh, Maybe we need to change that today. Maybe, Lord, change my heart. Give me eyes to see. Amen? We can't let anger and frustration and hate and unforgiveness and the spirit of division rule and reign in God's world. Amen? So, 
Look, I'm sorry if you've experienced the harsh and cruel realities of racism. A lot to be sorry for. But may you forgive America. May you forgive what's happened. And may uh, that sting that might be in you, may God take that out. May he bring a healing. May he bring a focus not on the past and all the bad things that may have happened, but on your future, and your future is good. God has a hope for you, a future for you. It's not built on vengeance. It's not built on hate. It's not built on racism. It's built on things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. Father, we pray today that you would bring a strong love and a strong sense of unity into our hearts, into our families, into this church, and into our nation. Father, we repent for the sins of our nation and how we treated people in slavery times with the oppression and the brutality. Forgive us of our national sins, our individual sins, and help us to move forward in hope, move forward in love, move forward in forgiveness, being kind to one another, tender-hearted to one another, forgiving one another, just as Jesus forgave us. And we pray it be done in the name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Well, give the Lord a praise if you're in agreement.